Hello and welcome to our 14th episode of the Agri-Food Comscast. It's the end of October as we're recording this episode and we've chosen a couple of food and farming supply chain topics that really chime with the season as the temperatures drop and the nights draw in. We come on to talk to Tessa Tricks from Hubbub, the environmental charity behind the annual pumpkin rescue campaign that's spearheading the charge to hashtag eat your pumpkin. But first, I'm with NFU Mutual's rural affairs specialist, Rebecca Davidson. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Catherine. So you've taken on the challenge of getting across why crime on farms should mean something to everyone who consumes food. And I think it's fair to say you've become adept at selling the story surrounding your annual rural crime report to a raft of media channels. Tell me more. Yeah, so we've been actively involved in helping our members fight rural crime for about 20 years. And the reason for that is it's one of the biggest worries for people in the countryside. Um, So what we aim to do with the annual PR campaign is raise awareness of the issue with the media and the wider public, as well as with um, government and police forces as well to keep it high up on the agenda. But as you say, um, there's always a challenge selling this story in to the wider consumer media. And I think there can be a bit of an outdated um, view when it comes to rural crime, maybe they'll think that it's like an episode of heartbeat so the challenge for me every year is to really come up with a compelling case because obviously rural crime is a huge issue that affects us all it's costing about 54 million but obviously it's a human impact as well and um, the very organized nature of it because a lot of the farm machinery that's stolen is being stolen by organized criminal gangs and it's being exported abroad so what we have to do is give some really robust figures to prove what we're saying. We have to find compelling case studies, real people who can show and bring to life what the problem is. And also give that specialist insight as well, because we work with a lot of different experts within our own business or through the specialist police unit uh, that we sponsor at the National Vehicle Crime Intelligence Service. Brilliant. So does it tend to be the same story every year, though? You know, how how do you go about trying to maybe put a bit of a different spin on it year on year? We never work to just a standard template um, because it would be really hollow if we did. We, um, you know, we obviously learn from from running this campaign every year. But what we start with is looking at the data and the fact that we are the main insurer of the countryside. So we insure about three quarters of the UK's farmers and many thousands of rural homes and businesses. When you look at the claims data, it gives you a really rich insight into what's going on on the ground and the different trends that are affecting different areas. Also, because we've got an agent network of uh, 300 offices um, in very rural locations across the UK, we carry out a survey with them to find out about what's happening on the ground. And also we speak to a tremendous number of case studies. That is, um, farmers who are being affected about what's on, on, on their minds as well. And so that helps us to bring together a, a picture. So in previous years, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll have different themes each year. So sometimes you'll get some of the attention sort of grabbing themes like medieval measures to fight modern day problems. So we'd look at earthworks, medieval fortifications, which obviously the tabloids will love. But this year, It was very much about how has crime hit the countryside under coronavirus, because although our report will be based on the 2019 figures, 2019 doesn't just feel like a a year away. 
it feels like a lifetime away because we're working in completely different times. So our task there was to look into quite recent data and see what the trends were. And although crime overall had dropped under lockdown, we found a worrying trend that possibly the car thieves who were concentrating on urban areas were targeting farms for um, smaller, more portable pieces of kit like quad bikes, GPS systems, and also a rise in wrestling as well, which has completely changed over the last few years. So that even went up by about 15% in April. Mm -hmm. So we then brought that, that, that information together um, to put together this year's report. I mean, obviously, you're appealing to very diverse audiences, you know, right across uh, broadcast media through to printed media, farming trade, etc. Et how, how do you package it up for uh, the different uh, media types? We um, publish a report which is available online, um, which gives an overview of the different trends and, and, and has some viewpoint pieces. So we try and give people as much information as possible uh, within the report because it's, it's used by media, academics, police forces, agents, farmers, um, people from the main farming unions. And then we produce different media briefings and releases and for different audiences as well. So we'll have a package that's um, tailored for the farming press and they'll want much more detailed information about the different trends that are taking place. We have packages for the national media. We know that Financial Times, for instance, when we give them information, it'll be more about the economic impact and uh, the wider sort of global impact. They're very interested in the international elements as well of where stolen kit is ending up to um, some of the tabloids were really interested in Land Rover Defender theft because obviously that's such an iconic part of the British countryside and then also um, dealing with the broadcast media which is where um, it's so essential to have those case studies and to make sure that case studies are, are, are confident um, to share their story because that makes a tremendous difference to the viewers at home when they can really see um, how this issue is really affecting farmers. Absolutely. Have you got any examples of sort of bringing the stories really to life and, and the work that you need to do in advance to actually make sure that you've uh, you've really got a perhaps a visual story to tell or or whatever to, to really sort of capture imaginations? So I could give you an example of um, some work that we did with the BBC um, and their Rural Affairs Unit. And that was for a piece that uh, was broadcast on BBC Breakfast. Um, but also a lot of that work um, ended up being used for News 24, radios uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and 6 as well. And in putting together that package, we really need to illustrate the story. Obviously, they had a lot of questions about the figures. Fortunately, because we're in insurance, we're financial services, so we have very robust checking processes. So we, our, our figures are very strong, they're very solid, and we're able to, you know, to really prove what the trends are. It's not on a hunch, um, it's backed up by data. And also um, finding the case studies. So we said that kit was being stolen to go overseas. So they said, well, we'd really like to see that. So we then uh, got in touch with the National Vehicle Crime Intelligence Service, a special unit that we fund. And uh, we knew that some uh, stolen telehandler and a quad bike was coming over on a lorry 
back from Poland. So I had to get in touch with a salvage yard, get them to hold that for a few days so that the BBC could um, get a crew to come um, and film it. Um, to get a police officer to um, give their view as well about agricultural vehicle theft on site. I also um, needed to find a case study of somebody who'd been affected by livestock wrestling over uh, coronavirus. So we found a farmer in the southwest who was really able to give that uh, personal um, view behind um, the figure. Yes, it was about £10,000 worth of stock that had been stolen, but to really demonstrate what the impact will be um, on a farmer and, and how it feels, because obviously so many farms aren't just businesses, they're people's homes as well. Um, I then gave an interview as well on location to give an overview about the issue, but also to really hammer home to a wider audience, to a consumer audience, about how rural crime doesn't just um, take place in a, a very isolated part of the countryside and stay in the countryside. The fact that wrestling, for instance, can pose a threat to human health because meat that might be um, slaughtered in unhygienic conditions is going into a, a black market and that is something that could affect us all and the importance of looking at good farm assurance schemes as well so there's a much wider message to get out. Absolutely and it's it's really right across the food and farming supply chain as and, and actually the rural communities living in uh, in those areas as as well so um, yeah it's a, it's a big impact and I can see really why the why the consumer media have really latched on to that particularly where there's all those fantastic stories to to latch on onto so I, I don't know if you perhaps just want to close with sort of summarizing the sort of headline results from from the the campaign Yes, that's fine. So this year, we well, we're still counting, um, but we've probably generated over one and a half thousand pieces of coverage for the campaign. And um, there's a tremendous amount of uh, broadcast coverage within that. So making sure we've got lots of spokespeople across the UK who are able to give uh, radio interviews and TV interviews, the mainstream national press, and, and also most importantly, the agricultural media as well, because we were set up by farmers for farmers and we absolutely have to keep the farming press front of mind as well with all of this and um, they are absolutely fantastic in terms of raising this issue because at the end of the day what we want to do is keep this issue at the top of the agenda and also give as much advice as possible as we can uh, to people living in rural communities to help protect themselves. That's brilliant. And I think in this world of uh, cutting through all the noise that's out there, that, uh, you know, done a, done a brilliant job to uh, to hit so many headlines with this this vital issue. So congratulations with your, your campaign. We now come on to another campaign that's targeting the public and latching on to the Halloween festivities to make a pretty important point on the topic of food waste. Tessa Tricks is behind the hashtag Eat Your Pumpkin campaign. Welcome, Tessa. Tell me, what's it all about? Fantastic. Hi, Catherine. This Halloween, 24 million pumpkins are set to be carved, but only half of them will be eaten. So we're running the pumpkin rescue campaign this year. It's the seventh year of the campaign and it has one simple message, eat your pumpkin carvings. Uh, and it has a range of means to inspire people to eat their Halloween pumpkins and really aims to remind people that pumpkins are 
a delicious, nutritious and a really valuable food. They're not just for decoration. And every pumpkin eaten is a step towards tackling the 6.6 million tonnes of food and drink that are thrown away from UK homes each year. Wow, that's brilliant. So I think there's an under underlying message to this, this whole thing, isn't there? Yeah, there is absolutely. And I think that the key the key message here is eat your pumpkin and eat your food year round. Exactly. Um, food waste is a huge problem. About a third of all food that's that's grown is is not eaten. And it's not just an environmental problem on the household level that adds up to about £730 per year. So it's a really compelling argument for people to be making the most of their food, especially at this time. Um, I think with the pumpkin rescue, it, as I say, it's, it's the seventh year running it now and it it uses pumpkins as a hook to talk about food waste year round but also as a way to bring people together around food as part of quite a seasonal celebration this is a, an anomaly this year because we can't have any on the ground events but usually we run pumpkin festivals uh, we've run 250 local events over the last six years and these uh, usually kind of culminate around going to a farm, getting lots of leftover pumpkins after Halloween, making a delicious soup, um, and then really helping people to, to eat the message, giving them a freebie of soup and uh, serving up the food waste message alongside that. Great. So, yeah, quite a serious message under all that. And I think this year you're, uh, you've conducted a survey. So how are you using that survey and you know, some of your other themed activities to convince, you know, you've got a massive public, a massive audience to try and reach out to, to sort of try and uh, change behaviours? So we've conducted a survey this year as we have for the last few years. And I'll start with some good news, Catherine. The number of people that are eating their pumpkins has significantly increased back in 2014. Two thirds of people weren't eating them. Now it's just a half. And uh, back in 2014, we found a kind of shocking statistic that was uh, there's 18 million tonnes of pumpkin wasted each year. So we we thought, how, how can we rectify this? And as part of the polling, we tried to really understand what would help people to eat their pumpkins. And the kind of resounding answer was more recipes. A lot of people thought pumpkins were tasteless or they didn't know how to cook with them. So a kind of key um, thing that we've been promoting throughout this campaign is we've built up really a plethora of recipes to help people cook with pumpkins. We've got them from celebrity chefs. We've got kind of very simple ones. We've got recipes from around the world. And kind of central to this is the sense that you you can cook with a carving pumpkin. So um, three fifths of people at the moment don't eat a, a pumpkin if it comes to the supermarket and it's labelled carving. Potentially they think that it's not edible or they just think it's not very good to eat, which um, is not strictly true. It works really, really well in soups and curries and stews. So we're very much urging people to to eat their carving pumpkin and also enjoy the huge 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 variety of delicious pumpkin squashes and gourds that are out there at this time of the year definitely it really sort of fits in with the whole seasonal eating and uh you know, having an awareness of what's growing at any particular time of uh year so i think that, that that's great so in terms of food waste because obviously that's a, a huge part of this when we were talking last time you were telling me a bit about calling for more reporting on what's wasted and how much yeah, so 
as far as we know. More than 10 million tonnes of food is wasted every year in the UK, and less than a third of the major food companies committed to producing food waste are actually publishing their data. So we, we think that actually to encourage a reduction in waste we need people to measure it if you can't measure it you can't change it so at Hubbub we have just released what we're calling a green print uh, which is a, a series of policy asks to to help us build back better in a greener way and central to this is a call for mandatory food waste reporting for large food businesses uh, that would be done by an independent evaluator uh, and then we can hopefully have uh, transparent data which companies can use to illustrate what they're doing to reduce food waste all across their supply chain because we have we have a lot of data around what happens at the home and what happens at the store level but in terms of what happens uh, pre-farm gates uh, there's there's very little known and clearly uh, actions all across the supply chain have a great impact downstream so we think it's a really a really important piece if we are going to try and um, reach the sustainable development goals commitments to um, our food waste yeah so what sort of response have you had from food supply companies in you know asking for that data to be published that's a good question. There are some businesses that are really keen and, and ready to go for it um, and and others. Clearly, it's, it's a huge cost um, to them. And I think while they can clearly see the environmental benefit, and I think most businesses are, are on board with the sustainability agenda, um, clearly it's not a cheap, quick or easy thing to implement. So I think we just have to to really keep celebrating and pushing those who are committed to this and hope that others will follow suit. Mm, yeah, hopefully it's sort of start of a, a, a bit of a trend, but a, mm. a difficult issue. Yeah, a trend with carrot sticks and, and pumpkins, hopefully. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Is there anything else, you know, from the retail and trade point of view to sort of support the food waste cause? Is there anything else they can do? I think having clear point of sale messaging, actually, that carving pumpkins are edible and are delicious, giving those out maybe with recipe suggestions would, would be one clear ask, potentially changing that labelling. One of the things that we've done in the past with retailers is instigating pumpkin drop-off points. So those that don't have food waste collection or compost heaps can return their pumpkin just to make sure that it doesn't go in the bin. And then I think there's more broadly all kinds of things that retailers can do to try and make sure that households aren't overbuying. Obviously, it's difficult to go to retailers right now with an anti-consumption message, but some of the tactics that have been employed, such as instead of having buy one, get one free, having mix and match, that's a great solution, um, making maybe downsizing packages so that people aren't tempted to buy a sack of carrots that they they can't eat and we're all seduced by a bargain but it's only a bargain if you if you do eat it um pleased to say that there's been a great kind of move towards wonky veg um over the last couple of years so i think that householders are really coming to understand um the food waste message to a greater degree but equally i think a lot of people are, are still not 
quite understanding scale of the food waste issue because I think a lot of people think that it's about the harmful gases that are emitted once food waste is in landfill whereas actually you think of all the resource and the energy that has gone to to make those foods and transport that food and that's that's where uh, the waste happens. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you, Tessa. I think uh, it's real food for thought, shall we say. But I think it's quite inspiring how a campaign, you know, from yourselves as a, as an environmental charity is you know, really looking at quite simple ways that individuals, consumers, families can make an impact, but also working up through the uh, supply chain and influencing in uh, in that way. It's uh, it's definitely interesting times, and uh, I think it's definitely a, a direction of travel that the industry needs to quickly start uh, quickly start adopting. Thanks ever so much for your time, Tessa. Great to speak to you. No, thank you ever so much, Catherine. Pleasure to be here. That concludes today's episode. Thank you to my guests Rebecca Davidson and Tessa Tricks. Join me again on the Agri Food Comms Cast. I'm Catherine Lynch.